Welcome to the Money Rules Podcast, where we tackle your personal financial matters with leading financial advisors. Your host, Buitumelon Zorko. Welcome to the Money Rules Podcast. I'm Buitumelon Zorko. The merits of investing in property are well known. The youth are often advised to purchase a home first before even buying a car. But is rushing into this asset class a better idea than directing those funds towards other investments? If you're considering whether to buy or to rent, then stay tuned. Franska Nateler, who is a chartered financial analyst at PSG Wealth Pretoria East, joins us on this episode to help us weigh the pros and cons of both investing in property and renting, as well as looking at where your funds can be best directed if you choose to go the renting route. Welcome, Franska. Good day, Jimmy. Thanks for the opportunity and welcome to everybody listening. Could you please give us a quick rundown of what the pros and cons of renting are? One of the most important questions to ask yourself before deciding to buy or rent is what your long-term plan in terms of housing requirements is. Are you starting off with a new employer or have you found your dream job and you want to nestle in? If you're not 100% sure of your long-term plans, renting can be a more suitable choice. It will afford you the freedom to move without incurring large fixed costs or expenses should the need arise. When renting, you also have the added advantage of not being liable for the maintenance on the property. This can help with budgeting and save time by not being burdened with costly repairs. Money saved by renting could be allocated to a long-term savings vehicle to complement your savings pool. In many cases, renting will be a smaller monthly expense than the monthly expenses incurred when buying a property. These typically include expenses such as interest on your home loan, municipal rates, building insurance, as well as levies. In the case that the excess monthly cash flows can be saved in an alternative investment vehicle, it will add diversification to your overall investment portfolio. Ideally, these costs should be compared when you want to determine the advantage you may gain by rather renting than buying. Some of the downsides to renting include rental inflation on an annual basis, as well as not having the privilege to customize a property to suit you or your family's individual needs. And what would be the advantages and disadvantages of buying a home? So basically, to me, if you have indeed determined that you want to buy a home, it's again very important, as with all investment decisions, to first determine what your long-term plan would be. Do you want to buy this property to occupy for the long term? Or do you plan to move after a few years? Is the property going to be suitable for your family needs over the long term? Or are you keen to manage a rental after you have moved on? Some major advantages include the ability to modify or build your home according to your specific needs, as well as fixed bond payments over the term, bearing unchanged interest rates. When buying a home, you also acquire an asset which could appreciate in value over time. This will, however, be dependent on your purchase price and general property trends in your area of interest. When looking back at the F&B house price index for South Africa over the last five years, one barely got 4% annualized growth rate. This is in comparison with inflation rates closer to 5% per annum. An added advantage for small business owners or entrepreneurs is the access to capital down the line once the property value has increased and the original mortgage has been paid full or in part. By re-advancing your mortgage, you can gain access to cheap capital, which could help to expand the small business in an opportune time. There are, however, some downsides. Concentration risk is one of the larger risks you face. When buying a property, 
a portion of your mortgage will be allocated to capital. In essence, a portion of your monthly savings will be allocated to paying off your mortgage. Owning a single asset with large value holds concentration risk. There's always the off chance that you buy in a deteriorating neighborhood or general property value trends do not work in your favor. In this case, it's always important to remember that diversification by acquiring other asset classes as part of your long-term savings plan is crucial. Some other downside risks include unforeseen maintenance costs and large fixed costs when acquiring a property. Franska, you just touched on the costs. So when deciding between these options, what are those cost considerations you should factor in? Yes, I mean, there, there are several costs to consider. Uh, when renting, one must consider your deposit as well as the contract admin fees charged by the estate agent. Other than that, you also must determine how your electricity will be charged and who's liable for the water account. Uh, typically, in some instances, the owner pays the water account included in his levies already paid, whilst in other, the tenant is liable. When choosing to buy, one has to be aware of the large fixed costs while acquiring the property. These typically include your deposit, bond registration costs, transfer costs, transfer duty, as well as agent's commission when you decide to sell the property. Buying a property also has running costs that need to be taken into account. Property rights and taxes, building insurance and levies when the property is in a complex are examples of some. Besides costs, what are other factors you need to take into account? There are several others. Um, Of these, I think the most important one is the price paid for the specific property. Uh, You should not just assume that the listing price is a market-relevant price and that some market research is definitely warranted. So basically, to, to determine a fair price and a good starting point is to request a property valuation report from your selling agent or any transfer attorney. This will allow you to compare your price to be paid versus recent sales in the same area or complex. These reports usually also show selling price trends for historic sales comparisons. A good measure is to compare the price per square meter, taking into account the condition of the comparable properties, as well as land size and outbuildings. If you decide to buy, how much should you budget for a deposit as well as the associated costs of purchasing a property? So when purchasing a property, uh, your fixed costs will form a large part of your expenses and it plays a major role in the decision making. Ideally, when you decide to buy, you should aim to keep the property for a long period to avoid incurring the large fixed costs and having to sell again within a few years. Bond registration costs, transfer costs and transfer duty could easily amount to 8 to 10% of the purchase value of the property in question. Depending on your loan profile, Banks could grant you a larger than 100% home loan, which could cover many of these costs. Alternatively, you will have to save beforehand to ensure that you have sufficient liquid funds for these costs. A deposit is not always required, but the bank will weigh up your credibility and they will uh, give you an offer accordingly. A good suggestion is to get pre-approval from the bank, which will help to indicate your affordability and how much additional funds you will require for the additional costs involved. Your affordability is calculated by considering your personal or total household income, as well as other existing debt obligations. One also has to be wary of agents' commission when selling the property. These costs could easily range between 5 and 8% of the property value. 
when taking into account your acquiring costs, the fixed costs, as mentioned earlier, as well as costs, it could be as much as 18% of the property value. That tends to be sure that when you buy, you have a long-term plan in place. It could take many years of capital growth to cover these expenses and even reach break even on the property considered. Franska, where would you recommend someone save for these costs? In what kind of vehicle? So if you have determined that you want to buy and uh, from your affordability screening with a bank, determined that you need to uh, make provision for these costs, uh, it would be sensible to save in, in some kind of savings account or unit trust. Uh, typically, a unit trust classified under the CISA interest bearing uh, or income sector. You would ideally want to invest it in a vehicle uh, which is quite liquid, so you can withdraw the funds and, and use it on short notice, and also with little to no capital volatility. And would it be better for someone to defer purchasing a property and focus more on building up their investments? Yes, to me, that's a, a very important question, and I think it's it's asked by a, a lot of uh, investors, young and old alike. Um, and it's it's always difficult to to get an exact comparison. I think many comparisons have been done uh, between buying a property versus renting and and saving in a suitable investment vehicle. And that the conventional wisdom of not paying someone else's bond does not always hold if you have the discipline to save your excess cash flow or lump sum while renting. In the end, uh, doing a calculation to determine a winner between these two options involves a whole lot of assumptions of which two are most important. Uh, Basically, the capital growth assumptions on the property as well as the investment uh, will greatly influence the outcome of these kind of calculations. Uh, yet it is important to determine where your resource or advice or expertise lie and decide accordingly. If you decide to rent and save, it is important to have the discipline to stick to the savings plan. Whereas if you have bought the home, you will be forced by paying your monthly premium on your home loan. As mentioned earlier, uh, also renting and saving will offer the added benefit of diversification in comparison to a property which will in the end be a large concentrated asset in your savings pool. Also, investments you make early in your life will most likely contribute the largest portion of your total lifetime savings due to the longer time frame leaving considerable room for compounding uh, of these early life investments. So if you decide to buy, make sure you have a long-term plan so you don't end up having to sell the property over a short period of time. It's also important to ensure that you go on as much advice as possible to ensure that you pick the correct property or investment vehicle to allow for maximum capital growth over your investment term. For those who decide to go this route, where would be a good place for a novice to start investing? Yes, so typically, if you would save the excess uh, money saved by going the, the, the rental route, uh, you would look for a suitable asset class uh, which will give you maximum capital growth over the long term. And then one would typically look no further than the equity market. Uh, historically, equities have outperformed inflation over most periods, uh, depending on your need to either contribute monthly or via lump sum. You can consider something like a suitable 
uh, high equity unit trust or even an equity portfolio. It's just always important to remember to get prudent advice to ensure that you pick the correct vehicle to suit your specific needs. Thank you so much, Franske. That was Franske Neteler, who is a Chartered Financial Analyst at PSG Wealth, Pretoria East. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Money Rules Podcast. To listen to more, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. Money Rules. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.